welcome to the Thought Echoes podcast, where we have an opportunity to listen in as people reflect on their relationship with their thoughts and their creative work and how it's changed since their brain injury. My name is Beth Bonnes, host of the Thought Echoes podcast. Thanks for joining. I hope you enjoyed this month's interview. Hi there. <laughs> I'm Joe, uh, Joe Borges. I am the host of the NeuroNerds podcast, and I survived a high blood pressure, high blood pressure induced hemorrhagic stroke in 2016. That 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 was that was not fun. It was my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, the before the, the the brain injury, I I um, man of many hats. I owned a retail shop. I worked in retail for years. Um, and I ignored my health for years and that kind of led into the stroke. So, uh, I suffered from migraines my entire adult life. And I just assumed that the migraines were hereditary because every single one of my family members has migraines. So I was like, oh, it's just my turn. Turns out it wasn't migraines that was, um, that ran in my family. It was unchecked high blood pressure. And my blood pressure was so high that it ruptured my right basal ganglia. And that's how I uh, had my stroke. And I had my stroke in the parking lot on the way to my significant other's show. She's a musician and uh, I had the, you'll hear this a lot in the brain injury community and the stroke uh, community, had the worst headache I've ever had in my life. And I really didn't wanna go home. So I actually drove to the venue in the parking lot uh, on my way to the venue, I felt the rupture. I actually heard in my ear a pop. And for a split second, it felt good because all that pressure was relieved. Mm -hmm. And a few seconds later, I felt like a baby deer learning how to walk. And then there was a patch of time from that moment until about two months later where I don't really have any memory. Everything that came to me is a secondhand information. Wow. Did they diagnose the the, um, unchecked blood pressure? At what point did they say it was that was the reason? Uh, when I went in, apparently, mm-hmm. so they saw my blood pressure and they're like, wow, like it was astoundingly high. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's what it was. It was years and years of just high blood pressure that weakened the the walls of the vessel in my brain. And it finally, my body was like, that's enough, calm down. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it ruptured. And so I had a hemorrhagic stroke and the type of stroke I had, that's the one that most people don't make it back from. I am literally, I'm one in four. So that's, uh, I I feel um, blessed to be here. And I feel like, uh, you know, I made it back for a reason. I feel like my reason is to help our community. Well, that's wonderful to do that. It's awful that it takes these kind of life events that kind of shake us up (laughs) (laughs) to kind of, you know, with everything that we're doing. Can you, I know there's a big chunk of time you don't remember right after Mm -hmm. the stroke, but if you can kind of go back in time a bit and Talk about your relationship kind of with your thoughts, the mental chatter that was going on, and then what the contrast was once you were you were able to kind of move around the cabin of life again, and what that how you just kind of saw what your relationship with your thoughts and sense of self was before and after. Um, I didn't really have much sense of self before. Uh, I joke around all the time. I'm a recovering Catholic. So I was brought up to not talk about your feelings, Mm -hmm. to not burden or inconvenience anyone, just to take those feelings, just shove them down, just shove them down. So I did that for my entire life. And that's not a good thing. 
it's it's not a good thing at all. So I would I said for years I, I I can't meditate. My significant other she was like you know you need you should meditate. It's good for you. It's gonna help your brain. I'm like I can't do it. Like I literally said for years I can't meditate because I would go to very dark places very quickly, oh. and I I just I just couldn't do it after the the stroke. Once I started that was the great reset. It it really was. It, it shifted everything. I fundamentally changed everything about the way that I live, the way that I think, the way that I talk, eat, walk, process. And I started to meditate. So mm -hmm. I actually got to think about things. I actually got to process old traumas, which is wild. I didn't know that was a thing that people did. <laughs> and I, I went to therapy. Um, I talked about things that I never thought I would talk to another person about. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't to sit in those feelings. It was to kind of release them, to, to let them go. And I never thought about that. I just held on to everything so much. Mm -hmm. I held on to it so tightly. And I never talked about anything it was kind of like all that pressure built and I didn't have any way to vent it out so it eventually vented in my yeah, right basal ganglia <laughs> so uh now I meditate every single day I've meditated every day for going on six years now you know oh, um great. the first year I tried but I still wasn't really processing too much after my stroke mm -hmm. um but every single day since I've meditated at least once a day it's how I start my days it's how I start my my mornings every single morning and it's changed the way that I think. It's helped me deal with these stressful, triggering situations. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's helped me, you know, visualize my day, what it's going to be. And even in those really dark, troubling moments, I understand now they're just moments in time. It's not forever. Like that, that chaotic feeling, it's, it's not permanent. It's just right now. So if it wasn't for meditation and actually like tuning in with how I'm feeling like in the moment, I don't know if I would have gotten this far. Wow. So in, in thinking about before not talking about your feelings at all, like you mm -hmm. say, do you have moments where you realize how far you've come? And so yes. that the contrast? A hundred percent. Every day I have the, those moments, especially when, um, ch when things are challenging, when things are challenging. Um, so for 30 plus years of my life, I went about things a certain way. I was surrounded by negativity and unfortunately I, that became my normal. Oh. So if I'm around negative people, it's so, it's such a weird thing. Cause I'm in a, I'm a very much, uh, I'm very much a positive person now. You, I'm very, you, hey, things are good. That's what you exude. That's what you, exude. It, that's, I, I, because it feels good. It feels so good. Like it really does, you know, but if I'm around people who are like, everything sucks and things are terrible, there's something deep in me mm. that is like, yeah everything sucks and it this is what's frightening it feels good because it feels normal it's the way that i grew up it's the way the way that my household was it was the way that my my mother brought me up everything is terrible people were against us we're cursed it's bad luck it's a horrible thing there's no hope when you're in that mindset yeah. so if i'm around certain people who are negative like that i start to like lean into that and i'm like no 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 i don't want that so i have to put up these boundaries and i have to keep myself in a good place because it's it's almost like I'm a drug addict, but like mentally yeah. and that negativity is a drug and I was addicted to it for years and I finally detoxed. I got that out of my body and I need to keep myself around positive people or else I'm going to dip again. Wow. That must be hard with family being part of the relation. I mean, it's one thing if you've got peers and, you know, friends, you can kind of let go easy, more easily than family, which you're right. You know, so how do you do that? How do you it do that? It was very difficult. It was one of the most difficult things I had to do. But at a certain point, I had to choose me. 
And that's a difficult thing to do, especially being raised the way that I was raised. Yeah. You always want to help other people and you always put people ahead of you. But at a certain point, it's it's you. And when it comes down, it comes to meditation too, it's helped me realize at the end of every single day, it's just you. Even if you're in the same bed with your partner, right. you know, when you close your eyes, it's right. just you. Yeah. It's just you. When you wake up, the exact same thing. So you have to take care of you first. And mm-hmm. I had to put my health ahead of everybody else like I, I did I had to heal myself mentally and physically and I had to let my fan keep them at a distance and let a couple of people go and it's not permanent I hope but there's nothing I can do I'm just holding up my end right. and I need to heal right now and so I describe it as um, I was a caterpillar yeah. and after the brain injury you know I went in my cocoon for a month in the hospital <laughs> and when I came out I started to spread my wings what and I learned how to fly that's a nice so, metaphor. So I'm soaring through the sky and it's beautiful up here. It's warm, blue skies. My family, unfortunately, they're still caterpillars and they're crawling in the dirt. So when I talk to them about how blue the sky is, they don't understand what I'm saying. All they want to do is talk about how dark and dingy and dirty it is down there. And I'm like, it's beautiful up here. All you have to do is evolve. Mm. So the thing is, they can evolve and meet me up here. I can't go back to crawling in the dirt. So that's, that's where we're at right now. It's we're we're slowly getting there. But when I say slowly, it's slow. <laughs> well, being honest, I mean, that so I can imagine what a huge hurdle that was to you, you were in that space in your head, but then actually doing it one by one for the people you'd have to that that yeah. but after you do it, then that's got to feel good, even though there's obviously going to be some pain associated with the relationships, but, but I would think that that was a huge step for you. Massive. It it was massive. And there always is that guilt that you carry. And again, recovering Catholic, of course I carry guilt. (laughs) So there's that guilt of, but that's your family, Mm -hmm. but that's your family. Now here's the thing. Family should not want you to suffer. Right. You know, just like me, I don't want them to suffer. I was hurting myself fighting them so they would make better decisions for themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, when I think about it now, I was like, who was I? I wasn't helping myself. Yeah. I wasn't helping them. So literally, I, I'm, I can't control you. I can only give you the tools. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to use them, I can't right. put them in your hands. I can't force you to do these things. So um, I've given them the tools. I'm here whenever they want. I can't harm myself anymore. So I'm on my journey. And if they want to come meet me, I am open arms, you know, and I, we all grow. Unfortunately, most of the time we grow apart. So I've grown apart from a lot of people, Mm -hmm. but in replacement, I've met some of the most amazing people that have, oh my gosh, Mimi included, you know, Mm -hmm. people who I will be friends with the rest of my life. And, and I'm not saying they're replacing family, but they're exactly who I need right now on this journey. Right. And family is such a, um, there's a, family by birth and there's family by choice and so that yes you know yes you know how i describe that hmm. you know when you're a kid and your 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 parents buy you clothes yeah. you're like i don't want that yeah but that's what you're gonna wear because i bought that for you and you're gonna wear those clothes as soon as you make your own money and you're like you get to choose your own clothes whatever you buy <laughs> yes that yes, means that's everything so the same yeah. thing with friends mm-hmm. the friends that you choose to become family mean everything to you your family was given to you you right. love them. You don't necessarily have to like them. Right. right. You know, so the, the, the friends that I have chosen that have become my family mean everything to me. So tell me about the blue sky, the work that you're doing now. So the, some of the creative projects that you're working on where you spend, you're choosing to spend your energy. Oh, wow. That's a lot of energy being spent, especially of late. 
when I first got home from the hospital, it was really hard for me. It was the most isolating situation I've ever been in. Now, isolation doesn't come from not having people around because I had a lot of people around. I just wasn't understood after having a brain injury. I'm an alien in my body and brain. You know, it was I was a, I was a stranger to myself and nobody understood that. So I felt so isolated. It wasn't until I started talking to other brain injury survivors where I was like, oh, you understand. I felt, and I hate using a term, but I felt normal again. Mm-hmm. We're all normal. It's a bit of a new normal, but I felt normal. Like we speak the same language. Right. I couldn't find anybody I, in physical therapy, occupational therapy. It was older people, people in their 70s and 80s, which is okay. We can talk, but again, mm-hmm. it yeah. makes a little bit more sense at that age as opposed to me. I was in my 30s at the time. And I wanted to reach out to other younger survivors so we can just have a conversation of what it's like. So I met by chance uh, this woman who had a a major concussion at a party and she was going through the same thing, the same stuff that I was going through and nobody understood. We met Mm. for coffee once and it was the first time in my recovery where I'm like, I'm going to be able to do this. Uh, I have somebody. It felt so good that I was like, we should do this every week. We should start a podcast. Selfishly, it was just for us to have an excuse to hang out. It turned into right now uh, <laughs> over 220 episodes. We're in wow. like 60 different countries and we're helping people around the world connect and build community. And that's all I've ever wanted. So um, I'm, I'm working with several organizations. I'm putting on a uh, the first ever of its kind uh, in the metaverse, a fundraiser um concert telethon isn't that tomorrow it is it is um uh saturday the the ninth it's called brain body and soul fest where we have singers brain injury survivors and advocates from around the world uh sending in performances sending in dance videos because that's their form of art creating physical art mm-hmm. i have a brain injury survivor who's creating a brain out of masking tape it was it's phenomenal i didn't even know that that was a thing but it's incredible. We have uh, some people who are going to show adaptive yoga. So mm. it's just stuff that I want to do to give back to the community and also show people in our community that look what can be done. Mm-hmm. Look what can be done. Anything can be done. Don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something. There's hope out there. And I want to give hope to everybody in our community and show mm-hmm. that, hey, you can even go to a concert. You don't necessarily want to be at Coachella with thousands of people, smells, bumps, uneven right. pavement in the metaverse in right. uh, you know in this space you just like any professional athlete that jumps in we're all on the same playing field we're doing the exact same thing in the comfort of our own home and it's such a beautiful thing that's fabulous um what and i'll put that information even though you've done all your advertising i'll still do the snapshot of it because i'm sure there'll be recordings and follow-up stuff oh, of course. afterwards thank so, you thank you um, I will definitely do that. Um, so looking at what advice that you'd give, you were in your 30s. I was 49, so still young because, you know, you oh, no, no quote the thing. 70s That's or 80s, absolutely young. you know, um, that what advice would you give to somebody who's had a recent brain injury? And then the same corollary, what advice would you give to a caregiver in the ecosystem of trying to support this person who's had a brain injury? I'll tell both of them the exact same thing. Connect with somebody. It's one thing to talk to doctors, right? Doctors, therapists, they're reading books. They're studying. When you talk to another survivor or another caregiver, they've been through the dirt. They've been, I I describe us almost as soldiers in war. When a soldier comes back from war, it's hard for him him or her to relate to regular people who are going to the store and seeing movies because he's seen war. 
we've seen we've been to battle with our own brains nobody understands what that's like except for us we need to talk to somebody who has a brain injury because they understand neuro fatigue they understand overstimulation they understand the instant feeling of overwhelm cognitive issues physical issues like we understand that it, there's a comfort and understanding in sharing that it's a it's it's a heavy weight to carry living with a brain injury also to be a caregiver to somebody with a brain injury it's a heavy weight when you start sharing these stories when you start connecting with other people these people are carrying a little bit of that weight they're, they're helping you they can help you know, they can help you on tough days they can help motivate you when you don't get out of bed and on the flip side when you're in a good place you can actually help them on their down days this is a community thing this is we are part of the most beautiful amazing community in the world the dues suck to be in this community but once you're here it is fantastic everyone is caring everybody's loving everybody's very helpful so best advice connect with somebody if, if you can go to the socials that's what i did i literally went to the to social media and i put in hashtag stroke survivor mm -hmm. and like a lunatic i just started reaching out to random people <laughs> i and i have done a thing since february of 2019 20 oh my gosh 2018 wow february of 2018 every single day since that day i've reached out to a stranger on the internet oh my gosh and slowly but surely, that's how I built community is just connecting with people around the world, because no matter where you're at, mm -hmm. uh, you had your stroke at 70, you had your stroke at seven. We all understand what it's like to live with a brain injury. And we all so recovery is a puzzle. And when you're in the hospital, they give you the outline, the, you know, the straight pieces, the corners, right. they give you that they leave out the middle. That's Every single time you talk to another survivor, they'll give you another piece of the puzzle. And the same thing with caregivers. Caregivers need care too. There's no manual to tell you how to take care of somebody with a brain injury. Just like there's no manual to tell you how to live with a brain injury. Mm -hmm. We have to talk to each other to support one another. So that's the best advice I can do. Reach out for help. Don't be embarrassed about it. You're going to find somebody who's going to resonate with your energy and you'll be friends the rest of your life. Well, I certainly there, um, as I mentioned, there are um, several stroke podcasts that tell stories with people but the energy that you have about connecting with the community is a different energy everybody's well-intentioned so don't get yes. me wrong but the the um i think either i heard you say that about connecting with somebody a new person a day or i read about it in your bio or whatnot but i mean that's just fabulous no wonder you're in 60 countries i mean was that was <laughs> that when you talk about 60 countries is that just where the where the reaches in terms of getting the analytics back from the podcast yeah yeah yeah, it, yeah. and and some people i've reached out to so i'm like oh yeah i have a couple of people in macedonia because i have a couple friends in macedonia <laughs> but then random places i'm like oh wow i wonder how they found me i just think it's it's a beautiful thing it's yeah. it's because no matter where you're at, a brain injury is a brain injury. Right. You know, we wake up just as overwhelmed, just as overstimulated, right. um, you know, just as isolated and lonely and sad in mm -hmm. any language in any country from any background. So we have to be there to support one another because when it comes down to it, you know, we're, we're all on the same team. Mm -hmm. Like we're all in this together. And we have to help each other. Right. So after this big event this weekend, what's your mm -hmm. next? I I mean, if it, this is a week ago, I'd be talking all about this event, but this is going to be over with come Sunday. So I think Joe will take a little downtime, maybe 15 minutes or something like that. Possibly, possibly, <laughs> maybe 14. <laughs> um, so what's your next, what's your next project? To start a brain injury cult. No, 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 we're not going to start a brain injury cult. 
um, the, I, I'm still moving forward, um, restarting the podcast and, you know, um, trying to get, uh, as many stories out there as possible, because I think everybody has a story. I don't want to hear, oh, my story isn't special. Every story is special. And there is some information that you have that is going to resonate with somebody and change mm -hmm. the trajectory of their recovery. Mm -hmm. So we have to get that out there. Um, I'm looking forward to partnering in with um, other, you know, brain injury companies. Uh, are you familiar with uh, Maddie Kneebank and uh, Tawny, the mermaid? No. Two of my really good friends, okay. uh, two huge advocates in the community. And we're right. um, talking about partnering in on uh, some projects moving forward. Uh, Maddie, it's Maddie Stroke of Luck and Tawny, it's Tawny, the mermaid. Um, we just met for the first time in person recently. It, it, it's just, it's magical when you get to connect with your people mm -hmm. because a lot of like, even Mimi, Mimi is one of my friend's soulmates. I knew her for years mm -hmm. and we were closer than any two human beings could be. And I never met her in person. So when I say reach out to somebody, they don't need to be next door right. neighbors. They right. don't need to be in your state. They don't even need to be in our country. Okay. Right. You're going to make some of the best friends you'll ever have by just reaching out. You know, one of my best friends is um, from the UK. I've never met Bryony. I've never met her, but we've been, she's been one of my best friends for going on five years now. Wow. My first survivor friend was, uh, a, she had her stroke at two and a half years old. Oh my gosh. I've never heard that. She has never known what it's like to feel one of her sides. She's an incredible artist and she would hype me up on my bad days. So it has nothing to do with, you know, oh, Joe, you're functional. You can walk, you can talk. It's like, no, I have a lot of cognitive issues. I have a, a lot. She was in a much better place, even though physically I was like, but I'm doing better. And I felt bad for complaining. And she's, she literally one day, she was like, Joe, I'm doing better than you. And I was like, you, you are. You, you really, you really are. So, um, and she's from Australia and, you know, we, we've never met and we probably aren't going to meet at least for the next couple of years, but she's uh -huh. still one of my best friends I'll ever have. Well, I would think with COVID too, as much as we've all got Zoom fatigue and whatnot, mm -hmm. the opportunity to reach out to people and virtually meet them uh, outside of a business environment. I think, right. you know, with all the Skype and everything, people were familiar doing it and, and Facebook, I mean, face, um, FaceTime and whatnot, but still yeah. Zoom and COVID just kind of opened the door to spending more time and it's the best you can do because it, of COVID. It, so whether they're in the UK or across the street, you still wouldn't right. be seeing them in person for a period of time. So um, meeting a survivor and having a, a cup of virtual, like a virtual cup of coffee is beautiful. Yeah. It's just such a nice connection just to sit down and even right now. We're, we're not in the same room. We're not even no. in the same state. This is right. a beautiful conversation we're having. And this energy exchange is special. Mm -hmm. Every single conversation I have with another survivor is special. Mm -hmm. And it, 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 it just gives you, it's like Red Bull. It just amps you up. Well, you sound like you're amped up all the time. I mean, so as your blood pressure is managed, okay. It is. It is. Okay. Um, I, I'm able to have coffee and I check my blood pressure um, frequently. And if it's too high, I don't get coffee. And I love coffee. So I will do anything, anything and everything in my power to, to keep it. I, I'm on a blood pressure medications to even it out. Um, but I'm looking forward to one day not having to take them. So I'm well, working I, hard to, to, to get off of them because labetalol sucks. Yeah. And that's one of the things that after I had mine and it took a couple of weeks for them to figure it out, they put mm -hmm. me on so many different kinds of meds and it's like, okay, I'm stable. I'm stabilized. They know what's wrong. And now I have to rest but I wanted to get off my meds and my husband like went, 
white as a ghost. He was like, why oh. would you want to muck with, they finally got you stable. And I'm the, the wave that hit me was I'd been working on me. I mean, I had to be the project, but right. the impact that he, the slack he picked up with our three girls and all of that, I, you know, um, and I'm quick to say, well, I'll go do this and that. And it's like, okay, so I really want to get off those meds. So if I do it with the doctor, is that, a, you know, would, that, would you feel comfortable with that? And so that was the compromise. So that's good. You know, spreadsheet with Tai Chi and meditation and all the different exercise, what would work and then do the blood work. And then yes, you can cut your meds in half, but it took three good, years. Good. But it's, good, yeah. it, it's a slow yeah. process, you yeah. know, it's slow process, but you're doing it the right way and you're never going to have to go back on them. Hopefully. Right. That's the goal. That's the goal. <laughs> Is there anything else? Thank you so much for your time and energy. I feel of badly course. taking this away with your big event tomorrow like you must oh, have no this is again it's beautiful to talk to another survivor and connect like it really is is there anything else that you would like to leave thoughts of wisdom words of wisdom well i'm a big idiot so these are as wise a words as i can <laughs> share <laughs> connection is everything mm. you never you it changed the trajectory of my recovery which didn't change in turn changed the trajectory of my life connect with another survivor it's not just for you when, when i say connection means everything and it, it sounds really grandiose, we can change the world. Like we really can, because you're changing not just the day, but you're changing the life of a survivor just by sharing a few kind words. They're gonna feel better about themselves. They're gonna have a little bit more motivation. They're gonna be in a better mood when they talk to their friends and family and coworkers and strangers, which in turn, those friends, family, strangers, and coworkers are gonna feel better. And they're going to have better interactions. And somehow, some way, we're going to have world peace. <laughs> and it all starts with you reaching out and connecting. Never lose hope. Remember, you're never at this alone. There's always somebody um, behind you and pulling for you. Try to reach out and be that person for somebody else as well. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Joe, for this time. I really appreciate you taking the time in your busy schedule and sharing a bunch of your energy, which I thought I was energized before, but I think now I've gotten my red, my red bull, bull <laughs> jolt from Joe. Okay. Thank you, Joe. Thank, thank you for having me. I appreciate you. This was great. Thanks for joining me this month. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell your friends, leave a comment and subscribe. Until next month, take a moment and hug someone you love.